You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Marketing News Canada. My name is Daryl Louie, and I'm excited to join this awesome team here as one of the hosts. Today, we're joined by Charlie Grinnell. Charlie Grinnell is the CEO of Brightmetric, a searchable library of data-backed case studies for marketers that provides quick answers to hard questions and informs faster and more reliable strategic decision-making. Before Brightmetric, he spent time working in digital marketing at Red Bull, Aritzia, Arcteryx, and Invoke. And uh, Charlie regularly speaks publicly about marketing strategy and was named 30 Under 30 by BC Business Magazine 2019. Congrats. Thanks for the time today, Charlie. How was your long weekend? Did you get time to recharge? It was great. Thank you very much for having me. Long weekend was great, and we're getting back into the swing of things. That's awesome. I'm curious, actually, speaking of recharging, disconnecting, long weekend, when was the last time you actually got to fully disconnect from work? Because I know being an entrepreneur, and even more so as a CEO, that's uh, those times are few and rare. Yeah, good question. I think one of the things that I can just say about that is is my co-founder, Evan Knight, is very big on, like, work is work and personal time is personal time. And and I was definitely one of those people who working in big organizations, I was just always on. And Mm. I think from him over the last, you know, three plus years building this company, I would hit him up, you know, after business hours or on a weekend and he'd be like, I'm not answering this. And like (laughs) that kind of has like slowly started to train me. So uh, yeah, this weekend, this long weekend, I did a lot of like boring house stuff. I did some meal prep. I cooked a bunch. I, I actually built myself a new desk in my office. Like I was, I was was, technically, I guess that's work, but at the same time, I wasn't thinking through things like I would, you know, on Monday to Friday, nine to five. So yeah, I, I can positively say, or proudly say that this weekend, technically I did disconnect and unplug. Wow. Congrats. Big moves there. Uh, well, that aside, um, Charlie, thanks for joining us today. You have quite the unorthodox approach into marketing from my understanding. So I'd love to to understand that. You know, How did you get into marketing? What's your origin story in more yeah. words or less? Yeah, absolutely. So I actually got into marketing through video production. So I grew up born and raised here in Vancouver, Canada. I actually ended up going to UBC on a football scholarship. And my plan at the time was to study economics and political science and eventually go to law school. You know, that was like the thing that was like, you go to university, you get your degree and you go live your life. I was actually in a really bad car accident in my first year. And I ended up dropping out of school because I had to have back surgery. And so I'd always been interested in filmmaking and cameras. And I had some friends who were in action sports So I went out and bought a camera and started kind of just teaching myself through, you know, YouTubing and whatever, just learning how to use the camera, learning how to video edit and basically started making videos and kind of got into companies that way. And then as I was kind of making these videos, I, you know, this is 2012, 2013 video on the internet started to kind of take off Mm. and it was kind of like peanut butter chocolate. Like I was really interested in learning the distribution (laughs) side of things. And I already had the video production side of things. And a lot of social media managers were being tasked with, okay, but do you know video or they were having to deal with video? And so I basically went out, did some kind of certificate programs at various universities to kind of get some certification. I nerded out and that's kind of what led me making that transition from video into digital. Um, And that peanut butter and chocolate is combining that video and that social at that period of time. And then, yeah, I worked in marketing, like you said, at Red Bull for almost five years, was most recently head of social at Aritzia. And then uh, three years ago, left that and, and started right metric, which is where I'm at now. And that's kind of in that next transition into more data and insights. 
Wow, that's uh, that's quite the unorthodox <laughs> path. Honestly, it actually resonates quite quite well with me. I went to UBC too. I didn't go for what I'm doing today. I did a double major in two things that were not related to what I'm doing today at all, and and kind of fell backwards into this uh, into content first, and then yeah. got into marketing afterwards. So yeah. that's awesome. Glad to hear that. Uh, I've got a brother out there with a similar background. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where when you get into content, then you start obsessing over the distribution side of things, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm like, when I'm slaving away making these videos, they better get seen by a ton of people. And that's kind of like what drew me over was if I'm going to slave away on these things, I need them to get seen. And if the people who are supposed to get them seen aren't getting them seen, I'm going to learn how to make them get seen. Yeah. You know, what really stands out to me in, in your history there, first of all, thank you for sharing. That's that's an amazing uh, path and good to hear. But going from like Red Bull which is like a man, they do amazing content, but from a culture perspective, like Red Bull to Aritzia, what mm. a big culture shift that must have been. Or or yeah. uh, maybe it wasn't. Can you what what did you find was kind of like a, a big a big shift in terms of your the, the cultures of working with those? Because those are two really well recognized brands with, yeah. with very, really established cultures, I would imagine. Yeah, so definitely a shift. I think for me there was a couple things that kind of drew me to wanting to make that shift. So number one Working at Red Bull was incredible. It fundamentally changed my life, my career, the trajectory that I was on. I worked with so many smart people who just think about marketing in the world in such a different way. And I wouldn't be where I'm at today without my time there. I I just Mm -hmm. felt very lucky to be, you know, I got to work in marketing at one of the best marketing companies in the world. So that was really, really cool. That said, one of the things that I kind of felt was a gap on my resume or something that I wanted to be able to try was, was more that e-commerce side of things. So, you know, Red Bull doesn't sell cans online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot about kind of brand awareness and, and that sort of thing. Whereas Aritzia, you know, they're selling clothes, right? And so that was a big thing was getting that experience. And then the other thing was that, you know, when I was at Red Bull, primarily the target audience is men who are interested in kind of that like larger than life action sports side of things. And I wanted to be able to work at a company that primarily targets women. And I just thought that was a good way to like balance out my skill set. And, and, you know, you think you're hot just working at one big company. I'm like, okay, can you take those skills and move them somewhere else? So that was definitely one of the things that kind of led me to do that. In terms of culture, every company has different company culture, right? So I met a lot of great friends at Aritzia who I'm still in touch with. I think they're still a kick-ass brand that has a ton of room for growth, obviously. I think they've had a COVID, you know, has been tough on every business. But I think for their business, they've seen an acceleration in e-commerce when you kind of look at like their public reports of their filings with them being a publicly traded company. So yeah, I think it was cool. I think for me, it was important to kind of just round out that experience. I wanted to be able to have both. And you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, diversity is kind of what makes you strong. And so being able to work in those different environments was, totally. was important to me. No, thanks for sharing. Well, let, let's talk about right metric a little bit. So this mm-hmm. is your baby. This is you and Evan have started <laughs> yeah. this. How many years are you in now? Just over three. So nice. the company turned three on March 4th. Nice. Congra- happy yeah. birthday. Congratulations. Yeah, so we're, we're, we passed the terrible twos. Yeah. And, uh, now we have a toddler that's kind of running around. Yeah, now they can actually do damage. <laughs> now they can actually do damage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm thinking hmm, two years, four years. I'm trying to think of like when we started any social and kind of like yeah. what that, that path was like. What was our toughest year? I think, I think year five was our toughest year. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm, I'm keeping my eyes out to be like, okay, what's next? Like at this point now, I'm like, I'm way past the point of no return. I don't know what's coming. I'm just like, just trying to keep the train on the rails, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about how you and Evan found each other. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have, you know, you talk about diversity and skill sets and diversity and backgrounds. What, what do you bring to the table? What yeah. does Evan bring to the table? How'd you guys meet? First of all, why don't we start there? So, so funny story. We met at birth. Evan's actually my cousin. Is that an and app? So, yeah, he's actually my cousin. So, no way. Uh, yeah. So it was funny. Someone, I think a couple of years ago or a year ago, was like, oh, yeah, family business. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess kind of it is. And so, yeah, we're cousins. We grew up super close to each other. We went to the same high school. And then after high school, we kind of went like separate ways. Like he went into operations. Well, he went into, he went to um, university in Calgary. He ended up getting a degree in like supply chain management, I think. Sorry, Ev, if you're listening and I butchered that, but um, he was in like supply chain. He worked at a mattress factory, like did that. And I was kind of went through like the digital and marketing side of things. After he did the mattress thing, he ended up working at a tech company in Saskatoon called Vendasta. And so he was there running the digital ads team. And we had kind of started talking because we're both now in similar industries. We had, you know, we were talking more about business and, and work and that sort of thing. Cause we actually had that kind of common ground and we kind of just started talking about starting something and we didn't know what it was and we didn't know when it was going to happen, but we were like, ah, you know, like, are you, I'm seeing this, are you seeing this? And we kind of just started to compare notes. And then, yeah, finally it got to the point where it was kind of the right time for both of us to, to jump in. And, and also while he was working at Vendasta, he actually built his own Amazon business where he was selling leather notebooks and, refillable pens and like stationery and that sort of thing that was pretty successful. Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of how it all came together. And then we were like, Hey, we both work in marketing. We've worked on these two sides, big brand and kind of smaller business side of things. Like what are some of the common themes that we keep seeing that are challenges and can we build a business to solve for those? That's awesome. And, and then like when you guys now work together, now being in business now together with family, yeah. wow, I still can't get over that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, for, for several years now, you know, reflecting on that, what have you really been able to bring to the table versus him? And uh, mm. obviously I don't want, you know, I don't want to put you in a position where you're talking about how great you are, but <laughs> you know, you do see the different skill sets, right? I have a business yeah. partner too, and we have very different skill sets. And yeah. I'm curious is, you know, in reflecting, what is, what have you going to be able to do to bounce off each other really well? What do you guys do? Yeah. So number one, I would have never started a business on my own. Mm. Absolutely not. Like, and even now I think back, I'm like, it's kind of crazy that we like started this thing. So I needed someone else to do it. My big gap is operations. He's really good at operations. And yeah, that's kind of why okay. he's our COO and that's why I'm CEO. And yeah, we have that complimentary skill set. He's more of an introverted kind of guy who makes sure the trains run on time, whereas I'm someone who comes on here and yells about the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> I think like that's kind of the the balance. Yeah. And like it's funny, everything that I hate doing, he just seems to love doing, and vice versa. And so wow. we we were lucky to kind of figure that out early on and just kind of divide and conquer and you know, if you, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And so that's something that I think we've really stuck to Absolutely. in terms of an, an approach. That's awesome. And I hear you. I can, again, you know, you're resonating with me a lot of these things. <laughs> like my business partner, Alex, like I'm the guy who, who like goes blue sky, blue, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. Hey, we should do this. And he's the one who goes, okay, reel you back in. Come yeah. on here. Come back here. This is how we do that first part of what you said. And yeah, well, you're the gas and he's the brake. Exactly. That's basically exactly. like what oh, with, with uh, and and you know that's uh, that's actually something from Andrew Wilkinson at Tiny. He talks about his business partner Chris being the brake and no him way. kind of being I the gas. And yeah, I'm the same way. Like I'm definitely the gas. Like yeah, of course we could do that. And Evan's like 
no, you dummy. Did you think about this, this, and this? And I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. And so I could be so screwed without him. Yeah. Yeah. We, 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 you and I think that, you know, something could be changed in like two, three weeks, you know? And then they're like, yeah, no, he's like, that's a quarters. year long thing that you just tried to do. In two weeks. Totally. Well, thanks for sharing about your background. That's awesome to see that you have the relationship and you have the skill sets mm-hmm. with your partner that, that really balance each other out. Now, you know, I'm an agency founder and we're still around today. We've got a team of strategists. We got brand strategists. We have social strategists. So I'm curious, you know, in your opinion with right metric, where can I pull the most value out of this as an agency owner? As, as many agencies will probably, you know, read this, hear this, and, and start looking mm-hmm. at your website. Like, what what is the the biggest? I guess for me, and sorry, I'm being greedy here, but this is actually no, no, a question. All really good. <laughs> What's the value working with a, with a company like yours? Yeah, so a really good question. I think what we'll do is let's take a step back into like one of the challenges that we kind of saw in the industry, and I think then we can kind of get into how an agency can use it and how brands use it. So. I think one of the things that we really think about is, you know, the big technology story over the past decade has been Mm -hmm. how brands use their internal data to make decisions, right? Data-driven decision-making. We've all read articles about, Mm -hmm. you know, data is the new oil and like all these things. Mm -hmm. That's great. Absolutely. In marketing, as different platforms have evolved, there's more things to count and pull meaning from. And so... That said, when I was sitting working at Aritzia or at Red Bull and when Evan was working at Vendasta, we always had a really good idea of what was happening with our clients or with our own brand. We knew you know, how many people were coming to our site, where they were coming from, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it kind of felt like we had one of our eyes covered. And both of us kind of always thought like, ah, oh, if we could just uncover that other eye and kind of see outside of our four walls, we as strategists would be better armed to have the right information in front of us to make the best decision possible for the business. Totally. And so that was kind of the hypothesis of how like we started out. So, you know, there are competitive marketing intelligence tools out there. And so we kind of went out and started to be like, oh, if we wanted to be able to look at a brand holistically or an industry holistically, what kind of tools would we need? So <laughs> we started to do some research taking sales call and we realized that we needed like 30 over 30 tools to be and able they're to expensive. do it. And they're all expensive. And they're super expensive. Yeah. And so, you know, even when I was at Aritzia and when I was at Red Bull, I probably wouldn't be able to to foot the bill for all of those different tools, right? Because even once you get the tools, you then need to know how to use them. You then need to be able to pull the research all into one place. You need to be able to output insights. Like there's so many different pieces there. So we kind of thought, hey, like we think there could be a business there. What if we went out and got access to all those tools, built a team of wicked smart analysts and researchers built methodologies to be able to pull everything into one place to benchmark things, but also just to show what other brands are doing Mm -hmm. and build them kind of into these data-backed case studies that are super easy to read. And then we take all of that and put it into a library that marketers can use really fast. And so that was kind of like the hypothesis. How many case studies do you have in your library? Right now, as it stands, case studies in the library, I believe there's 400 today and our team adds between 40 to 50 every single month. Um, And as we grow, that's going to be more and more and more. So what we're kind of trying to build is like a Wikipedia or like a Google for marketers. Totally. So to answer your question about now that we kind of have that backstory, to answer your question, how do brands use it? They use it for a bunch of different things. They use it for benchmarking. They use it for innovation, right? Like what are the new things? They use it for inspiration. They use it for best practice teaching. They use it for briefing agencies. Like there's so many different ways because basically, you know, let's say for the sake of example, um, you're a marketing manager at a credit union, Mm -hmm. right? You can go in and look at all the stuff that we do for other credit unions and financial institutions. You can see, okay, here's what, you know, Wealthsimple is doing for their content strategy on their blog, or here's what RBC is doing from an advertising perspective. That's really valuable. And you need to know that stuff 
But there's also this whole other aspect. You could look at automotive. You could look at CPG. You could look at, you know, outdoor apparel. Those are other categories where if you're a marketing manager and maybe you're focused on email right now, there are lots of best practices outside of your industry that you can use for inspiration and tactical elements that you can steal. So what the library kind of allows is you can look within your industry for information and you can look outside of your industry for inspiration. And so that's kind of why we decided to house it in the library. So how an agency uses that, use it for clients, use it for new pitches. There are probably more applications that I'm not even covering because, yeah, I'm not an agency per owner, but like, you know, an an agency person might get their hands on this, be like, oh my gosh, I can use it for this. I can use it for this. So we think we're just really scratching the surface at this point. Totally. That actually brings two questions to mind. So let me... Fire away. The first is, I guess, you know, that's awesome in terms of the amount of uh, case studies you're adding on a monthly basis. Now, as a potential customer of yours, can I request ones that are more relevant to brands and relevant to issues? What's that process like? Yeah, so really great question and something that I breezed over. I'll talk about pricing too. So our pricing is $42.25 a month with a six-month commitment. And that's US. So it's about five grand a month Canadian. Mm -hmm. And what you get access to is every piece of research we've already done in there. So the 500 pieces today, plus the 40 to 50 every single month, Mm -hmm. and you get five user seats. Mm -hmm. And what you also get is you get two custom case study requests per month. So let's say you're a marketing manager at a bank, right? Again, we'll use that example. And here's the 10 case studies that we did for the financial services space, but maybe we didn't cover a brand or a topic that was like top of mind for you. You can literally fill out a form and go, hey, this is a challenge that we're struggling with. I want you to look into this brand and can you tear apart this, this, and this for us? And our team takes that in. We go away. We do that research. We build the case study. We upload it to your library. And then you get notified via email going, here you go. Well, that that's amazing. That price point <laughs> is much more digestible than even one of those tools you know, that, yes. that we carry. That's really impressive because yeah. when I think about two custom, I mean, in addition to the value of your existing library, two additional custom requests covers essentially a salary of a strategist to be like, Hey, put together these two, but instead of just that one guy or one girl, you've got this whole team. That's really awesome. And Um, so that's, that's, it's funny. You said that, like, basically we were trying to 80, 20, the value prop of that. Like, how could we make mm. it so that, you know, these businesses that can't afford in the high six figures just for the tools, how can we make it? So it's the equivalent of a full-time kind of strategist yearly, and give access to five different people in their org and give them that ability to custom query things. It's one thing to be a software tool, but you do need that personalized element. You need both. And so that's kind of why we've structured it in that way. So the second question that kind of kicked off was, how do you guys determine internally, you know, what case studies to add every single month? I mean, obviously there are marketing trends. You guys have access to all of the tools to be able to see what people are talking about and and where. How how do you guys just kind of, I guess, prioritize what what to put out every month? Yeah, really good question. So I think you hit the nail on the head with like different trends. Our analysts are always watching trends in different industries. Um, Also a combination of what are our clients needing, right? So different clients have different strategic priorities and things that they're struggling with. So that's another one. And then we're just always watching. The third one would be we're just kind of always watching all the different players in the different spaces that we create, like data back case studies about and we almost kind of have like a richter scale right so like as something happens if there's a dip or a spike our analysts can see that and go what is that yeah and like are we going to dive into that and the richter scale i think is the example right like when there's an earthquake you can see like okay here's what happened and is this worthwhile doing a case study 
So those are kind of like the three the three ways. And I guess the fourth one would be custom requests, right? So again, that kind of goes back to like what our clients need, but they do have the ability to kind of query our, our research team. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I love that the comparison to a Richter scale. That's something I've never really, I mean, I see it all the time <laughs> in, in the in the trends draft, but I've yeah. never applied that thought to it and being like, oh, that's that's how you determine importance. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You guys, you said earlier that you, you, know, you, you created this because you saw that there was this challenge within the marketing industry. So I'd love mm-hmm. to get your opinion on some of that because you're, you're one of the emerging leaders in the space. So, I yeah. mean, using data and insights to inform marketing strategy, this is something that's not, you know, necessarily groundbreaking when it comes to marketing. I would argue yeah. in what I've seen that for digital marketers and especially those small to medium shops that cannot really work with 30 tools or, or even, yeah. even like a couple of them. Um, yeah there's this challenge in how do they use the data and insights that are available to them to inform their marketing yeah. strategies. So, you know, what is, what is the, the power of that external marketing data that you guys provide to a smaller, medium-sized shop? And, and yeah. or, or maybe another way of, of, of phrasing this is, you know, what are the common mistakes that marketers make when they don't use data and insights? What have you seen? Yeah. So really good question. There's a couple things here. So the first thing I want to unpack is like the challenge that we've kind of like established in the marketing industry is the disconnect between Mm. technical analytics and non-technical marketers who are tasked with making big decisions, Mm. right? So you have people who have been in marketing 10, 15, 20 years, and they're now the CMO or the VP of marketing. But in the last 10 years, digital has kind of like gone on the up. And now everyone's talking about data and measurement and attribution and all these things. And maybe that person came up in marketing a long time ago and doesn't necessarily maybe feels uncomfortable that like, 
wow, I'm not as up to date on things as I should be. Threatened almost, yeah. And threatened, right? And so we've noticed this disconnect where there's like the need for the technical analysis to be translated into non-technical insight to be like, here's what you should do and why, and knowing that it's backed by data. So like that big disconnect and that gap, we're trying to sit in the middle there. So that's one I think all marketers feel, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and you know, it's important because, like, the decisions that those leaders have to make can carry significant budget and risk to the business, right? Like, we're not talking, like, you know, what, how big is your marketing budget? Are you spending it effectively? Are you spending it efficiently? Are you focusing your team in the right place? Like, those are all things that this can really help with. I think the second thing that I want to point out is around this idea of like data versus insight. The analogy that I use is data is oil, insight is gasoline. And so what I always say is like, we're not an oil company, we sell gasoline. We sell like refined actual insight because there are plenty of companies out there that harness data and pull all that stuff in. But data without that insight is just data. And so it's a key piece of the equation that we pull in, but then it is like, how are we interpreting that? How are we applying that to a business challenge or a problem or a different objective? And how are we building out actionable things to be like, okay, we've seen this. How does this impact the actions that we're actually going to take and what should we do? So I think, and then to just answer the question finally is a lot of medium sized businesses struggle with that. And, you know, to your point, there's only so many hours in the day, there's only Mm. so many people. And, you know, what we're trying to do is like 80, 20 that value prop and kind of democratize access to this stuff. Because we know that, you know, as marketers, when you're able to kind of uncover that other eye and you have access to that information, that's a powerful thing. And so the last analogy that I'll use you with is I think of us kind of as like the intelligence community briefing the, the president. So come in, Mr. or Madam President, here's what we found. Here's what we think you need to know. Now that you have all those facts, you can go away and make your decision. I love that analogy. Uh, It makes me, so obviously, you know, the way that we're looking at insights and and creative, I guess, you know, church and state, I imagine that this has been something where you guys have had to make the decision to stay away from or be very defined in your service offerings and what you guys offer to your clients. I'm sure some of your clients have been like, well, you have the insights. What do we do with it? And how do we come up with a marketing campaign? How have you guys yeah. navigated that, I guess, that that path of providing that insights, you know, unbiased third party, here's just pure insights backed by data yeah. and the, the clients and potential clients that are going, well, why don't you help us do something with this since you're, you're the yeah. one bringing us all this information? How have you guys navigated that? So really good question. Number one is we don't do execution. We don't do design. We don't run social. That's what anti-social is for. That's what other agencies are for. Thank God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so for us, like we're big believers in that Mm -hmm. church and state are separate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are that unbiased, apolitical third party who can be like, hey, we see everything. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't have any skin in the game. I'm not going to tell you, hey, you should spend more on ads. And by the way, like we have an advertising division this way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important is kind of having that unbiased third party because, you know, you've heard stories probably of agencies taking advantage of brands or being self-serving or whatever. And that can make some agencies uncomfortable. That can make some brands uncomfortable. But at the same time, like if we're able to give you a clear indication of the truth without any hidden agenda, like that's our whole purpose. We just want to give you the truth as the way that we see it, using all this third-party data to give you access to that. And so, yeah, that's something that I think is going to be ongoing. Like we have that, but we've been asked so many times, Hey, wow, like this, mm-hmm. this is amazing. Can you guys just execute that? And we happily make referrals to the people who we feel are experts in that space. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's the way that we look at it. And that's the way we'll always be. Like we could have easily spun up an ads division or a creative division or, you know, a social division, but we just didn't think that that was the right thing to do. And I think the one thing I'll add there is like, 
our core competency is research and insights. Like that's our whole thing. Whereas I think, you know, a lot of agencies out there will be like, yeah, we do insights and research too. And I'm like, yeah, but do you like, you might really be good at SEO or you might really be good at paid, but you do all these other offerings. And so for us, we're just like, yeah, we know our team is made up of people who have done strategy and execution in all those areas. But like our whole thing is like research and insights is our core competency and giving you the truth is our whole purpose for existing. Yeah what it sounds like it's just integrity you guys know what it takes to deliver insights to your clients with integrity without any bias and hearing you talk mm-hmm. about this way i 100 percent agree you're gonna have to keep that separate so yeah you have to otherwise yeah. otherwise then it just be, it can become self-serving and and you're right that integrity is key yeah well i'd love to to tap into your future thinking mind here for a second for yeah. a couple of questions so you know what trends are you seeing in marketing in the brands that you like to follow and kind of you know this is a big question where you yeah. Know, actually, let's just leave it there. You know, what trends are you seeing in marketing that you love to, that, that, in brands that you love to follow? You know, what, what do you think's coming? Yeah, I think it's a good question. The one that's top of mind, I think, is, and everyone talks about this, is TikTok. I think, like, you know, if you had probably asked me a year ago, like, what do you think of TikTok? I'd be like, ah, you know, Facebook is going to boot them off. Like, if Facebook's at the top of the jungle gym, Facebook's going to boot them in the face and they're going to fall to the bottom. They're legit. And, you know, I think as more and more people of all ages are spending time on that platform, it's another very important fishing hole, right? And so I think like to use that Charlie Munger quote, like fish where the fish are, I think, you know, previously fishing where the fish are in digital marketing was mainly like Facebook, Google, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there was a little bit of Twitter, a little bit of Reddit, a little bit YouTube, like, I guess that's in Google. But I think like, you know, there is this third fishing hole is really kind of emerging instead of the duopoly. It's kind of like the triopoly just in terms of like where the fish are. And I think we're going to see TikTok probably continue to grow out their ad offering, tying it more into commerce, seeing that. So that's kind of one I think that, you know, TikTok used to be this thing like for kids now, like little kids. But now I think like as those kids grow up over the next five years, they're going to be on that. Yeah, absolutely. They're not going to switch over to Facebook or Instagram. They're going to adapt to the new functions that TikTok comes out with that's more relevant to their age range. Yeah. So I think that's one that that we're really keeping a keen eye on and and trying to do a lot of work there. I think the other one kind of would be this idea of informed intuition. And so this is kind of something that you touched on earlier, like that balance of like brand and performance. I think a lot of people probably from the outside looking in or be like, Oh, Charlie Wright metric, like they're on the science side of the wall. If it's kind of art and science, they're yeah. like, they're more on the science side. And I think what I want to say there, like he's a data guy, like all he cares about that. Absolutely not. I try and sit right in the middle. I know that the best marketing is I'm a creative guy. That's how I started. I was making videos. Like I get it. And so for me, this idea of informed intuition is striking that balance between art and science. And I think when we look at a lot of the best marketing over history, you know, iconic campaigns, you can see that there has been a balance of that kind of informed intuition using data to help inform creative solutions and, you know, vice versa. And so I think that this balance of informed intuition is something that that we're really bullish on. And and that's a trend, I think, that a lot of marketers are starting to realize. And it's kind of like this pendulum, right? Like at first it was brand in like the 90s that it swung back over to performance. And then COVID hit and it's like, okay, but we can't just optimize for conversions. And now we're kind of like trying to settle back in the middle. And so, yeah, I think that's something that we're really bullish on is just this idea of, of making kind of data and analytics and insights more approachable and, you know, helping marketers understand that, you know, it doesn't have to be this super intimidating, nerdy, ridiculous, like data science thing. It's just, hey, we can see a lot of behaviors of people. We can quantify those behaviors and that can help us determine different actions that we should take. 
create with precision through prediction. That's something I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've been trying to echo to my team for a while um, with varying levels of success. So I love hearing, <laughs> hearing, hearing that that's what your team's really bullish on. Yeah. So the other future mind question that I have for you is, you know, one of the truths of social media platforms that users, even myself and, you know, agency owners tend to overlook is that, you know, the users ultimately are the product, including TikTok. So, mm. you know, a big part of this discussion is data privacy. Again, as, as a leader in, in data-backed case studies, you know, what is your prediction on how the availability of online data will change, scale up or down in the next couple of yeah. years? What do you think is going to happen? So, good question. I think a couple things. And there's like Charlie, like Charlie the person. Yeah. And then there's like Charlie the business guy. Yeah. Um, Let's go Charlie, Charlie the person. The per- Charlie, the person for me, like I'm comfortable with the level of tracking right now, me personally, because mm-hmm. you do need a number of data points to create certain experiences. Mm-hmm. Like there are things Absolutely. that I love. I'll give an example. I recently was, I had to do some shopping for my mom and she wanted to get set up on the PC express app for superstore. And so she'd been scanning her card or whatever. And I set up her account and on her phone and instantly it pulled up all of her previous grocery bills in there like by matching her number she's never had the app she's never done anything so i'm like okay now that's obviously a very basic example but i think to have that like convenience and that seamlessness there are data points that you need access to to do that so me personally i'm fine with that i think what we've seen in terms of the stuff with Cambridge Analytica and Facebook back in 2016, the stuff with cookies, the stuff with iOS 14.5, like, I don't think that like makes or breaks things. I think it's just changing things. As marketers, there's always going to be things for us to count digitally. And I think where we see ourselves as a business, and now I'm kind of transferring over to like the right metric side of things, people will always do things and there will always be data points that are legally available to see to be able to count and pull meaning from. And that can help marketers make better informed decisions and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I think as different rules change or regulations change or platforms change, where we kind of stay is like right there with like everything that's legally available and kind of staying at the forefront of that so that we can continue to arm marketers with insights from data that is, you know, ethically sourced, all these other things. So that's kind of how I see it. I think that's so absolutely necessary. I, I agree with your points too. Like I've got Daryl, the person, Daryl, the businessman, like yeah. whenever, whenever you know, I got a weird uncle or an auntie talking about data privacy and like identity that yeah. my question to them is always the same. Like, do you think that you're important enough for these data points to actually go into being used against you? You know, it, it just, it's something that it's, it's more of a, the concern there is, isn't, legitimate i feel it's something that that more of a manifested you know fear of of data yeah i mean i think like you know who knows sure your data could be used against you and sway you and there there's such a deep conversation there but i I agree with what you just said i think it actually comes to mind is a is another example actually i was giving a talk at hootsuite four years ago i guess yeah this is when i was still at aritzia and This is like right after the Cambridge Analytica stuff, right? Oh, wow. And so, so, <laughs> and, and I was talking about I, my, of course, this event was booked like three months in advance. And of course, my topic was Facebook right after the Cambridge Analytica stuff. And I was like, ah, crap. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's so fluid. There's so many things happening. And one of the things that came up was there was this woman in the crowd and there's, there's 150 people there. Yeah. And uh, so, it's not an open question thing. Like yeah. we're sitting there talking yeah. and 
I hear this woman in the back put up her hand and go, excuse me. Oh, no. And I'm kind of like the moderator sitting there and I'm like, okay, sure. Like, what's up? And she was talking about like, when you get a new iPhone, you have to go through. She's like, I don't think I should have to like hit agree to the terms of service. And she was kind of talking all about that. And she was like, I just don't think it's fair, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, I totally hear you. And I was like, do you have an iPhone on you right now? And she was like, well, yeah, I have my phone. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to lecture me about privacy, yet here you are carrying an iPhone around for convenience. Which is it? Like, by carrying an iPhone around, to me, you have said, I'm choosing convenience over privacy. Absolutely. And I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was just like, it's very hard to take you seriously when you're yelling at me about this. I'm like, but you still do it. If you'd been like, if she had been like, no, I don't have a phone, I'd be like, respect. Yeah. But the fact that she had one on her... (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah, or, or nothing, right? Like she might be like, I use pay phones, look at my quarters, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like that was something that was really, really interesting. And so I think as we've seen this topic about privacy raise up, you know, how many times have we seen like hashtag delete Facebook I know. trending, right? Yeah. Guess what? It still churns along with tons of people using it every day. People don't like, don't listen to what people say, watch what people do. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's something that's so funny. Like I've had a couple people in the past be like, cool, now that Facebook's dead, what do we do? And I'm like, what do you mean now that Facebook's dead? Like it might not be socially cool anymore to say that you're on Facebook, but like, guess what? People go on Facebook every day. Yeah. Whether they want to admit it publicly or not. Yeah. Facebook has one in, what, one in seven people in the world are on Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, they've assembled the largest community in the history of mankind history like larger than different religions larger than different countries like yeah and so uh it's just interesting when you see see that and you know how people talk the talk but they don't necessarily walk the walk when it comes to data and privacy absolutely i've run into those people and i get conversation quite often where i have to really be like a check to them but also do it in a a way where you know i got to consider their feelings and and, for sure and i mean it's yeah it's it's you know it's not it's not because of ill will, you're just trying to be like, hey, I'm just trying to get it straight here. Like, which is it? <laughs> I'm just trying to give you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah. So, so Charlie, what, what, what's next for, for you at Right Metric? You know, what, what are some things that, what's something you guys are working on and what's an exciting initiative that you have rolling out this year or, or maybe sooner? Yeah. So something really soon, which is going to be exciting is we're launching a freemium version of our library. No so way. basically we're sitting on all this stuff Yeah. and in about a month or so, we'll be kind of releasing a bunch of it for free. So instead of right now, you know, you previously it's that I can, that we I, can tell I don't it? have a date. I would say like end of June, early July. Okay. Is like what I would say. We're okay. tr- the team's hustling, but basically what we're trying to do is we'll get that all ready. And so as of right now, you know, if you wanted access to the library, you have to pay that forty two twenty five a month. Um, but we're going to be kind of rolling out a free version where you, you come, you enter in your name and your email and you can create an account and there's a bunch of content in there that's just free and it'll be regularly updated. And then if you want to upgrade to an account, you can upgrade to a paid account. So that's going to be a big one for us because, yeah, we're sitting on tons and tons of content that usually would be kind of, you know, either time or cost prohibitive for a lot of these businesses, agencies and brands. And so, yeah, once that's live, we're going to be yelling about that because there's just a bunch of useful stuff in there that I think people would find super valuable and it's free. So that's really, I think the big one that we're working on. And then I guess the second thing would be, we actually have a podcast. And so we're going to be starting that back up. I kind of started out and then fell off the wagon. So excited to be recording more podcasts. It's called measure what matters, a podcast for marketers. Measure what Um, matters. I'll be subscribing. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be doing some more interviews there over the next little while. And 
And uh, maybe I'll have to have you on that one as well. We can flip this and I can be asking you questions. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's amazing. Good to hear about that, that initiative. I, I definitely think that, you know, the, from what you've shared today, that's going to be a, a huge resource to a lot of these brands that mm-hmm. may be thinking about using a more data approach, decision-making process and, and just haven't had the resources to. So that's amazing. Yeah. I do have some rapid fire questions I want to be you by. I love it. Let's do it. I have one last question before that. Okay. So what's the biggest piece of advice you could give to brands today? Oof. And that's a huge question. Let's go like this. What's the biggest piece of advice you could give to emerging brands and growing brands today? Yeah, I think for me, it's maybe it's kind of like a life principle is look before you leap. And I think that goes back to, you know, using data to help you make decisions. But like, you know, whether it's you're going to date someone or you're going to go do something in a, in a like you're going to go ski down a hill, like look down before you go and like do a bit of homework. Right. And so I think so many brands just seem to to move fast without kind of looking before they leap. And that's something that I learned pretty early on when I made the transition from that creative side to the marketing side mm-hmm. is, is look before you leap. And that's something that's always kind of stuck with me in a principle that I live in my day-to-day life and I'm still alive. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a good answer, but <laughs> hey, still here and kicking. No, that, I think that's a, that's a great way of looking. I, I think I, I think I've heard like the opposite, you know, say yes and figure out how to do it after. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's what I probably should say. And if Evan was here, he'd be like, no, no, you always just say yes. And then we figure it out later. But I think, yeah, that looking before you leap is something that, that I've really tried to do over the last little while. And I think it's it's served me well. Absolutely crucial. All right, let's go rapid yeah. fire questions really quick here. Okay. Okay? Gut answer. No wrong answers, obviously. So what, was, what was your first job? I was a soccer coach, a summer soccer coach at a soccer camp. Before the football transition. Before the football transition. Nice. What was your worst job? Ooh, I was a chairlift operator at Grouse Mountain in the summer, and it was on my feet for 10 hours a day. I get super sunburned, so Ooh. I got super sunburned. I think I lasted like a week and a half, and then I was like, nah, I'm good. I bet that was like 12 <laughs> bucks an hour too, right? Probably less. It was not great. It was oh a long time God. ago and not great, but love Grouse. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, favorite Red Bull flavor? Ooh, sugar-free. Nice, nice. What's your favorite song or album that's on repeat right now? Oh no. Um man. This is so hard. Oh man, you got to listen to music more. Dude, yeah, I'm the type of person like I think there's one called like Lo-Fi Beats on Spotify and I'm the guy that like literally listens to the same I don't even know what the song's called, but it's like a playlist that just plays in repeat the entire day. So that's why I'd I say something you, like man. Lo-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I literally listened to that while I was making dinner last night. Either that or I'm a big Action Bronson fan, but he hasn't put out he like his stuff kind of back maybe in 2015. Yeah, he's been a while. Um, what's a business or marketing book you'd recommend? Ooh, I have a couple. So number one is uh, Hitmakers by Derek Thompson. And Derek Thompson's a writer for The Atlantic. And basically, it's like the science behind why things go big and why things get popular. Really interesting book. The next one, I know you said one, but this is another one that I want to plug that I think is great, is called Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. It's all about positioning. Like, how do you position your company? She is so wicked smart. We read this book. It helped us kind of figure out a way that we're going to position our business. And it's a really quick read. So those are two that I can't recommend enough. Hitmakers and Obviously Awesome. I wrote them down. I'm going to read these two. (laughs) What's a life hack that you'd be willing to share? Ooh, life hack that I'd be willing to share. I mean, I just got on that meal prepping side of things. And like yesterday was day one doing that. Let's see if it's a life hack. I feel (laughs) like it's a life hack right now because I opened my fridge and it literally looks like an Instagram post with all the the containers there. But like time will tell. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Well, well, you know, I'll have to check back with you then. Um, yeah. This one's a fun one. What's your most treasured physical possession? Ooh, most treasured physical possession. Yeah. Um, no NFTs. I don't want to hear anything about no NFTs. <laughs> I think I have a clock, actually, that I inherited from my aunt who passed away a few years ago. And it's a railway clock, a train station clock. And it's up in my like entryway when I walk into my house. And so, yeah, that's definitely, definitely uh, up there. Awesome. Um, I hadn't then, thought about that one. That was a good one, though. Yeah, I mean, I had to think about that one, too. I was like, what? Now I'm going to like look around my house and be like, what do I actually like if there was a fire in here? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's when you answer the question is when that happens. <laughs> yeah. um, I know you have a podcast, but what's, a, what's another podcast you'd recommend? Yeah, so I, I'm a big podcast buff. So one that I love is Pivot with Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher. I think that's a really good one. My First Million from The Hustle is just great, mm. listening to those guys talk about business ideas. And then I'm a huge Scott Galloway fan, so The Prof G Show is, is another one. Those awesome. are what I listen to. And obviously, Marketing News Canada, I, I, like, I have been listening to this for a while. So yeah, I'm definitely listening to a bunch of different podcasts at all times. Awesome. That's amazing. One last quick question is, can I take a Zoom selfie right now for the thumbnail? Absolutely. All right, let's give it the old <laughs> smile here. One. Just the... One, two, three, and then let's do a let's do a silly one. Do whatever you silly want. Silly one. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of hardcore digital marketer gangsters. Oh yeah, here. yeah, super nerd over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Charlie, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for yeah. being so honest and open with your questions. Loved hearing about your history, <laughs> man. This is definitely an episode I know our listeners will really, really like. And everyone, please check out. Uh, charlie's podcast that he's revisiting relaunching and sounds like we have some really exciting case studies to go through for free pretty soon here in a month or so so charlie yeah. thank you so much for the time man really really enjoyed meeting you and i'm sure we'll catch each other since we run in very similar circles pretty soon. <laughs> absolutely thank you very much for having me it was so great to chat thanks for listening to marketing news canada for more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.